This is Voice of the Arts on Classical WQED 89.3. I'm your host, John Schaefer, an intern here at WQED and a, and a student at Allegheny College. I will be interviewing Joe Newcomer and Kieran McMillan from Pittsburgh New Music Ensemble. Joe Newcomer is a longtime supporter of PNME, and Kieran McMillan is a composer from PNME. We have them promoting their musical, The Great Cat and the Flounder. So first off, Kieran, where can we see The Great Cat and the Flounder, and at what times can we go see it? Uh, there are three concerts this week. Uh, the first one is on Friday, July 27th at 8 p.m. at the City Theater on the south side. Uh, the second one is a special concert at 1 p.m. Uh, on the Saturday, the 28th of July, also at the City Theater. It's free for, and especially for families and children, and then in the evening on Saturday, July 28th at 8 p.m. Awesome. Thank you. And then where can we purchase tickets at? we get them online, or is it just you come up to the door, do you buy them? You can buy tickets at the door, but we definitely encourage you to buy tickets online at pnme.org. You, uh, if you are a first limer, which uh, we call you a first limer, if you, this is your very first concert, you actually get in free. So uh, don't let any potential ticket price keep you from being at this concert. But uh, we'll warn you that last time we put this on, it sold out, and so we definitely encourage you to buy your tickets early. Is there a dress code at all? There is no dress code. Uh, please come in whatever you will feel comfortable wearing. Uh, you can wear a tuxedo if that makes you comfortable, and you can come in jeans, whatever you, you would like. Awesome. Joe, so why did you choose to be a longtime supporter of PNME? We didn't choose to be longtime supporters. We just enjoyed the music and therefore wanted to support it, the same as we've been longtime supporters of WQED-FM. <laughs> awesome. And we, we actually sent $15 in in the first week of operation. <laughs> oh, wow. Which was pretty good for us because we were starving students at the time. <laughs> and so, yes, I've been a supporter of, of all of the arts that I, I like in the city, the opera, the symphony, PNME. And essentially, in the last week of Bernadette's life, Bernadette was my life mate and the little gray cat. I told her that I was going to commission a piece in her memory from Pittsburgh New Music Ensemble. And I had already chosen the composer. I wanted it to be Kieran <laughs> because I had seen his previous work and it was just amazing. So that's how I got involved in this whole process. I'm the, in some sense, I'm the author of the original cartoon series from which the performance is derived. Okay. Could you tell us more about your wife and your, your time you spent with her? We were together for 46 years. And it was just a perfect match. We, we were in love all of our lives. And I loved her more towards the end than I ever had before. And I loved her a lot. So we were just perfect together and you know, a major hole in my life when she died. So this piece was important. It was part of the healing process, actually. So what made you start to make cartoons titled The Great Cat and the Flounder? Well, initially it was just the adventures of the little gray cat. We had, we had been to a party with some friends and they said, well, they had three cats. It was easy to tell on a Sunday morning when they were lying in bed and the cats would walk by, all they could see was the tips of their tails. 
and if the tips were curled over, the cats were happy. If the tips were straight up, the cats were angry. And we thought that an interesting factoid, not ever having had cats. And the problem was that when they were trying to prepare food, the cats would twine around their ankles, mewing piteously for food. And this produced hazards in the kitchen. You didn't dare take a step until you'd figured out where the cats were on your feet. So Bernadette had a terrible job, actually, which was a two-hour bus ride away. So I made dinner every night, every weeknight. And one night she came home, and she slipped into her gray sweatpants and her gray furry sweater, and she put her little gray cat feet socks on, and then she came down, and I was as I was working at the stove, she sort of twined herself around me, actually more upper body level than around my ankles, <laughs> and said, Mew, Mew, I'm a little gray cat. Please feed me. <laughs> Mew, Mew, I'm a little gray cat. And that was in, like, October. And I came up with this idea for a book about the adventures of the little gray cat. And I wrote it, and it contained a lot of pieces of her life to that point. Uh, there's a point where she goes into the um, safe and battles family skeletons. And the reason is the safe where she worked held some family uh, documents, which weren't allowed to be opened until 25 years after the death of the personage involved. So we figured there must be some skeletons in that <laughs> safe. So we had her going in with a sword and finding the missing book, which had fallen down behind a filing cabinet in the, in the um, safe. And I presented this to her at Christmas. It was a Christmas present. <laughs> and she was quite taken by it. And a week or two later, we left our apartment and moved to a um, half house. And that was great, except for one thing. It didn't have a stove or a refrigerator. <laughs> so we had to do this terribly grown-up thing of buying a stove and a refrigerator. Just amazing. <laughs> and I drew a cartoon showing the little gray cat sitting on top of a refrigerator looking very smug. And that was just the opening of the floodgate. And the, the plates commemorate events that may or may not have happened. Um, some of them are pure fantasy. Some of them are actual events. And one day we were sitting on the couch and started talking about doing a ballet about the little gray cat. Now by this time I introduced these funny little critters called collywobbles. They were easy to draw. I'm not an artist. I'm not a cartoonist. I'm not an artist. I can sort of draw. And the little collywobbles became our supernumeraries whenever we needed extras in, in a cartoon frame. But this was a story about the queen of the collywobbles and her adventures on, in being queen of the collywobbles. And I showed this to Kieran, who immediately said, I have to put this in the piece. And the rest is history. <laughs> so how many 
cartoons did you end up drawing throughout your lifetime? I'm estimating somewhere between three and four thousand. Oh wow! There's a thousand online. Okay. That's not the complete set. There's actually closer to eighteen hundred cartoons done on the computer, which is where I did the last five years of them. But then there's these stacks and stacks of cartoons that I drew using either crayons or colored pencils. I started off in crayon. And they have to be scanned in someday. <laughs> and then there's hundreds and hundreds more that I just was inspired and I drew either in Bernadette's little notebook that she always carried for this purpose or on a folded sheet of printer paper so that I wouldn't forget it. 